Welcome to The Everyday Heroine. This podcast is meant to inspire women's leadership to help encourage women to discover the truth about what they are capable of. Hey, it's Maria with another episode of The Everyday Heroine. I remember the first time I heard the word attitude from my dad. I remember it so clearly like it was yesterday. I remember where we were in the kitchen. We were close to the phone that hung on the wall with the five-foot curly cord. I was on the kitchen side, and Dad was closer to the hallway that led back to the bathrooms. I was small. My perspective was that of a little girl looking up to her father, in the physical sense. He was taller than I was at the time. I was not looking up to him in the sense that he was the leader, like a father should be to a little girl. In an ideal sense, a father is someone worthy of looking up to because of noble or ethical qualities and characteristics. Maybe not in this moment for my dad. I remember giving it to him like I was on a mission. I don't remember what it was about. I knew I was right about whatever it was because I felt the conviction in my essence to fight for what I thought was right. When my father responded to my conviction with the phrase, Boy, Maria, you sure do have an attitude. In that split moment, I thought, Yeah, that's about right. I've never heard of this word attitude, but I get it. This feeling I have must be this thing my dad is calling attitude. Now, what happened next I would later dissect to be half of the most important lesson that I could learn to help my future self transform into a better person. My dad seemed to be really struggling with me at this moment. I remember him saying something like, I don't know what to do with you right now. And he basically walked away from the situation. And he walked away from me. As little as I was at the time, I realized two incredibly important things from this memorable moment. Number one, my dad is a very noble and ethical man because he was honest enough with his young daughter to tell me that he didn't know what to do with me right now. That kind of honesty is pure love. He also had the sense that in his frustration, that he best walk away. Sometimes walking away is the most loving thing a person can do for another. In my little kid voice, it probably sounded more like, Ah, I stuck my chin out and I didn't get smacked. Number two, I realized My dad and anyone else in the world will not be able to teach me everything. There are certain things that I must learn on my own and for myself. This may have been my early signs of leadership development. These things, by name of attitude, would turn into a lifelong fascination for me. The meaning of the word attitude was obvious the instant I heard it for the first time. Dad did not seem happy with me when he dropped this word on me 
I initially grew to think that attitude was only a bad thing. As I spent time growing up on YMCA swimming and Little League softball, I would quickly learn that you can have a good attitude, having a good attitude, and the sense that anything is possible is an advantage in sports. Having a bad attitude was less desirable. I'll take this one step further. As a little girl growing up, I had the sense that whether you are playing sports or playing the game of life, having a good attitude is a good thing, and having a bad attitude is a bad thing. As a little girl growing up in a small town and living in a small world, this simple rule is generally acceptable until it is not. For anyone listening, I'm sure you may also remember the first time you heard the word attitude. Or you may recall a similar significant time as a child when you discovered something that stuck with you. A significant time in your life is what I call a transformational moment. It has the power to impact the direction you take and the journey you explore. You may not know it at the time because you are too little to understand it all. Your memory of a transformational moment will be as if it is burned into your brain in a very permanent way. For me, I can remember certain parts, but not the whole. Even now, as I tell this story, I have so many questions. What happened before this moment that brought on all that conviction? Why did my dad leave and never follow up or come back? The before and after this moment are the two halves that I would later dissect for a greater understanding of how important this lesson was for my future transformation to become a better person. I do remember it was important for me to let my dad know how I felt. Whatever was going on for me at the time pushed me to unleash on him with confidence. It was a liberating moment. In my memory, I was standing up for what I thought was right. It was satisfying in a pure way. In other words, I knew I didn't need to judge myself on whether it was right or wrong, good or bad. I knew it was something that needed to happen. It was also satisfying in an ego way to see that the result led to my dad relinquishing the fight. He walked away. I won and I also lost. I was too little to completely understand it all. But we learn and grow as humans. These moments are the dots that connect us to something bigger. It has the potential to direct us toward something better beyond our wildest dreams. My dad had no idea what to do with me, and that did not surprise me at the time. If I haven't shared the story yet, around the time I learned two-digit multiplication, I also learned that I was smarter than my father in math. One evening, in front of the family, as we watched TV together, he asked a two-digit multiplication question to my mom. My competitive side kicked into action, and I was able to do the problem in my head faster than both my mother and my father. 
That is not a bad thing. It's just a thing. I was just a kid, and it seemed perfectly normal to be smarter than your parents in elementary school, in math. There was nothing to be bothered about. Mom and Dad were my parents, and they provided food, shelter, and clothing for me. And the rest of my life was pretty much on my own to learn. Growing up, kids can have a gracious sense about themselves and life when you notice these differences. Later in life is when it seems to reveal itself in more important ways. As family members, kids want and seek love and affection from their parents. As a little girl. It can be devastating to seek love and affection in the form of asking for help and coming up short. When I was dishing out my attitude to Dad, I felt like I was asking for help in a demanding way. Whether help was available or not, I had the sense that help was what I really wanted and I probably needed. Even though it seems like my dad and I both lost at that moment. There is a reason for everything. Later in life, I would learn so much more about attitude. Attitude is not always a bad thing. Even when both sides lose a battle, that doesn't mean that all is lost. Attitude is actually everything in life. It is simply misunderstood. Growing up, there were other significant moments where I heard something. So important, I would never let it go. One summer, I remember my favorite uncle visiting, and he said, "You can't expect anyone to like you if you don't like yourself." This hit me. It is so logical and truthful that you don't question it. Of course, this must be true. At the time, I was a teenager, and teenagers are invincible. Invincible people don't ask questions or challenge anything so logical and truthful. That would be a sure sign that you are not invincible. So you just figure it out in your head, right, wrong, or indifferent. As a teenager, what I should have asked was, "How do you like yourself more, even when you think you like yourself?" There's always room for more, because who doesn't like themselves? I would later find out that I had an ego, and that question was definitely coming from my ego. I would also learn what my ego has to do with my attitude. One of my leadership trainers said that we naturally have a handful of questions that we are trying to solve in life. These questions are like an internal guidance system that drives our behavior in a way that attempts to answer these questions. As an engineer, I saw this as a beautiful way to think that everyone is an engineer of their own life. We have these questions, or more like we have these problems that we are trying to solve that bring purpose to our lives. I thought that was so cool and rather truthful. Also, as soon as I heard the word attitude as a little girl, I was put on a path to become a master attitude adjuster. I just had no idea at the time. 
I then joined sports activities that gave me clues about how attitude could be good or bad in a straight-up vanilla simple form. When my uncle said, you can't expect anyone to like you if you don't like yourself, I had another clue that would alter my path. The clue inspired me into a greater sense of curiosity. The questions were growing. My uncle's statement turned into a mission-driving question. How can I like myself more so that I can find or attract people who like me more, too? A different way to say that is, who wants to be with people who don't really like you? And what makes you not like yourself? That seemed weird as a teenager. About that time in my life, I was about to go to college to become an engineer. One question I knew I was trying to solve was, how can I find a rewarding career using my natural skills and talents to make more money than my parents? I thought that would solve all the problems in the whole world. Another question I was aware of on my mission in life was, How can I have more fun and adventures? I would have many adventures in life, which were all opportunities to explore the questions that I had while creating new ones. This was driving my life's direction, and I didn't know it at the time. Becoming a female engineer would inspire some of the most challenging questions of all time. Why do some people think that engineering is a man's world? Why are some women smarter and more capable of performing a job than men, yet the women get paid less for the same job? How many times do I need to prove myself to eliminate the idea that I am not capable? Why are some bad things in life considered the best thing that happens to a person. Doesn't that mean that there is no such thing as a bad thing? What makes a person think of things as bad? What is the best way to convince people that life can be truly easy and abundant for everyone? When are we going to do something to make sure that senseless killings are a thing of the past. Needless to say, that while I was having a fun and adventurous life, I was also learning and growing. More questions were being added to my mind than being solved or subtracted. Looking back, this may have been a sign of becoming an adult. I see it as a sign that I was finding my true purpose. Doesn't everyone have the same questions that I have rattling around inside my mind? I'll fast forward in an effort to connect the dots for how I became a master attitude adjuster just for this episode. Yada, yada, yada. I find myself divorced with a 10-year-old daughter and a one-eyed dog named Winkin. I'm trying to make a career change to become a full-time life coach. After laboring with myself over whether I was making the right choice for the perfect coaching school, 
it became clear. Once I signed up and went to the first weekend workshop, I learned all I needed to know about attitude. And the cherry on top was learning that there is no such thing as perfect and right and wrong and good and bad are illusions. Life coaching is attitude adjusting and attitude adjusting is life coaching. That was crazy. It was like a made-for-me Maria Kaufman system. That's how I felt, like this whole coaching system was meant just for me. Now, it existed well before I labored over the decision to sign up for it. Then I magically discovered it was so perfectly made for me. No, I'm not that special. Attitude reset opportunity. How does a person reconcile the ego's need to feel special and the authentic need to walk your own path to create abundance? This sealed my fate for the part of my journey to discover a new mission in life. I started an endless search for new information and experiences that could answer many of the new questions that were building up in my mind. It created a new source for questions of a different nature and a different quality. I grew to understand Einstein's quote, you cannot solve problems with the same thinking that created them. I was changing. My thinking was changing. And my ability to solve problems was changing. This was a massive attitude adjustment. Once I learned this framework, so many things fell into place. It was evidence that I had created the change that I was seeking. I was beginning to answer that question my uncle inspired so many years ago. How can I like myself more so that I can find or attract people who like me more too? During this time, I am consuming leadership development like it is a full-time job. On my path, I pivot from prioritizing fun and adventure and making more money than my parents to creating impact, justice, and making a contribution to the world. As I consume knowledge and experience in an effort to change myself and others, I refine and improve my attitude adjustment skills. Suddenly, Brene Brown's audible lecture on the power of vulnerability shows up on my knowledge consumption radar, and I binge. I remember double dipping on household chores with earbuds. Listening to Audible for leadership growth while I cleaned the house was time well spent. Brene Brown hits me in the gut with the concept that you can only love someone else as much as you love yourself. In my mind, this is a major upgrade to my uncle's original statement. I believe they generally say the same thing in different ways. I cannot say this enough, that it is so important to say the things you are meant to say for this exact reason. Somehow, the power of vulnerability that Brene Brown created spoke to me in a deep and profound way that I needed to hear at the time I needed to hear it. 
Somehow, the power of vulnerability that Brene Brown created spoke to me in a deep and profound way that I needed to hear at the time I needed to hear it. The words were slightly different and the timing was different between Brene and my uncle. Brene is a great storyteller, so the words she says come with a very rich experience when you hear her talk. I'm sure the fact that I had a daughter at this time also gave me a different perspective on the message that I received. Once I became a mother, I wanted to be a better person because I knew that would translate into being a more loving human being for my daughter. She would learn naturally by being a part of our experiences. Lead by example is the mantra here. I would do anything to show my love for my daughter, including the difficult things that would help me grow into a more loving human being. Little did I know what I was really getting into. On some level, I think we know. We don't want to admit it because we also know how difficult it will be to be honest with ourselves. Change is uncomfortable. Change is also essential. If you are not growing, you are dying. This means that a person, me in this case, has to admit that I deserve to love myself more. I also need to admit that whatever change process I need to go through, no matter how difficult, it is worth it in the end to be more loving for myself and others. Today, I look back on the moment when I first heard the word attitude. It was a significant moment for me. That may have also been the first moment when I felt I needed to stick up for myself. There was a quality about that moment, and I felt what I believed in was right. And that was an act of radical self-love. I was too young to understand most of it. My life makes greater sense When I look at a series of significant moments, when I connect the dots between them, when I realize that my experiences are driving thought-provoking questions that put me on a path to live a life that answers those questions and solves problems. We are playing the game of life. Our attitude is everything in this game. We have two types of energy or attitudes to choose from, which can help or hamper our success and happiness in life. We can further refine our attitude into seven different levels. When we live in the helpful levels without stress or conflict, we drive success and happiness in a helpful direction toward positive change in the world. When we operate with stress or conflict, we hamper our ability to solve problems. Staying in stress and conflict make it more difficult to heal from those moments. It becomes more harmful when we endure too much time in stressful situations. The trickiest part is that we can easily become entrained into a certain attitude and it becomes a comfortable place to exist even when it is hampering our progress towards success and happiness in every way. It takes effort and commitment to change. The reward for change is priceless and worth the effort to achieve it. An everyday heroine is committed to the greater good, which requires a personal transformation. 
That personal transformation offers insight, compassion, and motivation to pursue her life mission and to help others transform the world. It continues to be my honor, privilege, and pleasure to bring you the playbook for playing the game of life. We are in the fifth facet of the playbook, playing the game, where attitude is everything. Over the next few weeks, I will be bringing you some guided meditations. The timing is nice for the holidays as I take some time to celebrate with my family and friends. The timing is also nice for me to bring you a peace practice in my voice. I want you to have everything you need and more for playing the game of life with the best attitude possible for the new year and beyond. It truly has been an honor to share the everyday heroine with you this year. Thanks for making my year extraordinary with this podcast. And in the spirit of the holidays, I hope you listen to this episode and take that spirit with you every day throughout the upcoming year and beyond. For now, enjoy your adventures and journey responsibly. Thank you so much for listening to The Everyday Heroine. It is my honor to be on this journey in life with you. Feel free to hit the follow button as we continue our adventures. Check the show notes for additional information on this episode. You can also go to mariacoffman.com. Make sure you are on the email list to get podcast updates. You will also be the first to get updates on our products and services and everything else we have going on at the Kaufman Institute. For those looking for career and life advancement now, find the links to get on a coaching consult with me so that you too can be living your dream life like an everyday heroine. Everyone matters and you deserve to live the life of your dreams. No need to wait or hesitate. Answer your call to greatness with one simple act of scheduling that call. For now, enjoy your adventures and journey responsibly. Cheers. MariaKaufman.com is M-A-R-I-A-K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N.com. See you there.